different parts of the world emphasize different things. In the East, they advocate the living word. And in the West, they expound on the written word. In our meetings, we believe that we want to achieve this aim, that is to bring the living word and the written word together in one service. During praise and worship, we lift up and extol the living word. And then when we come to the word of God, we expound the written word. We'll continue from where we left off last week. Last week we talked about the mystery of the tabernacle, the holy of holies. This evening we're going to expound on the subject on the holy place. As we know that the tabernacle of Moses is divided into three portions the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. It's divided into three dimensions the body, the soul, and the spirit. And tonight, our focus will be on the soul of a human being. In the holy place itself, after the first veil, you have three furnitures there. You have on the south side the candlestick, and on the north side you have the table of showbread, and on the west side you have the golden altar of incense. So there are three furnitures which represent the three parts of the soul the intellect, the will, and the emotions. Do you know at this moment which bodily organ is the most active part in your entire body? One may quickly reply and say, oh, it's the mouth, the chatterbox. It's not is your brain. Every emotion, every thought, every dream, every actions, every bodily function of your waking and sleeping moments are directed and guided by your brain. Your brain keeps you in a state of consciousness if you put into, into neurology is the RAFS the retic reticular activating formation system the soul is so vital to a human being because the soul is linked to the outer court of the body the soul is also linked to the most holy place the spirit of a man you see the soul contact three worlds through the five senses because the brain controls the five senses it began to understand and be aware of the physical world around us and through our intellect we understand the mental world and through our spiritual perception because the heart is linked to the soul we understand the spirit world. Therefore, the soul is a very important personality of the human being. Amen? And the book of Romans is a very important book in the Bible. Because there, we found the mystery of redemption unfold that we were actually crucified with Christ 2,000 years ago. But then there was a very important truth that was expounded in Romans 8. And if you have the Bible tonight, turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 8.
the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 5 and 6 for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace before I carry on from this point I would like you to turn to the book of Exodus chapter 28 verse 36 Exodus chapter 28 verse 36 and in that portion of the scriptures it says this and thou shalt make a plate of pure gold and engrave upon it like an engraving of a signet holiness to the Lord and verse 37 and thou shalt put it on a blue lace that it might may be put upon the turban or the mitral upon the f- forefront of the mitral it shall be in chapter 29 verse 6 and thou shalt put the mitral upon his head and put the holy crown upon the turban. Tonight I entitled it as the white turban or the white mitral, the portion of the fine white linen that cover the head is a piece of white cloth. So we're going to explore the meaning of that. So we we understand in Romans chapter eight from verse five and verse six that we begin to understand the mystery of the walk in the Spirit. The walk in the Spirit is simply the walk of the mind. There you find that the mind is a fulcrum, like a perverting point, like a seesaw between two portions, between positive spiritual life and negative carnal life. The way to balance the emphasis is up to the mind. The mind is the most important factor to determine whether you are walking in the spirit or whether you are walking in the flesh. The mind is so important. And I would like to read to you from the Charles Williams New Testament translation. And he put it in a very interesting manner about the mind. That the mind is so important to how to live a life in the spirit. And he says this in verse 5 and 6. For people who live by the standard set by their lower nature are usually thinking the things suggested by that nature. And people who live by the standards set by the Spirit are usually thinking the things suggested by the Spirit. Verse 6. For to be thinking the things suggested by the lower nature means death. But to be thinking the things suggested by the Spirit means life and peace. The word there, to set your mind. In the literal margin, trans- margin it says, the minding of the flesh is death, the, mind, the minding of the flesh is death, and the minding of the spirit is life and peace. And this, the word mind, M-I-D, it comes from a Greek word. And this Greek word is 5426. It means phronio. Phronio. P-H-R-O-N-E-O. Phronio means a deep thoughtfulness in a certain direction or a strong mental inclination towards a particular direction or subject. It's a, a mind is inclined on one side. So if your mind is mentally inclined to the flesh, it brings forth death. The mind that is mentally inclined towards the spirit or the things of the spirit 
it will bring forth life and peace. So the question whether you are in the realm of death and life tonight depends on your mind. The state of phronio, whether you are mentally inclined towards the things of God or whether you are mentally inclined towards the things of the flesh. So your mind or your soul is a very important subject and must be discussed and taught. Let's talk about this state of phronio in a fallen man. And turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 18. Let's look at an unbeliever. What is their state of phronio? In chapter 4, verse 18, verse 17, he says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Look at their phronio. Having the understanding darkened because of being alienated from the life of God through ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Because their state of pronio, their mental inclination is not towards God. They were alienated from the life of God. Therefore, their mind was darkened. Ever since the fall of Adam, the fallen state of every human being, the fallen state of their mind is darkened. And in modern day, the people term it as, we possess the subconscious mind. Or we have an imperfection within our soul. You see, our brain is a three-pound lump of tissue containing a hundred billion neurons or brain cells. But because we only use five to ten percent of it, we only use about up to ten billion neurons. So how about the ninety billions? We are not using it. Because we are living in a state of imperfection because of the state of phronio. If men change the state of phronio tonight, man's mind will no longer be darkened and men can reach their full potential in Christ. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to turn every one of you tonight, your state of phronio towards God. Amen. You see, in the holy place, there were three furnitures. They have the candlestick, the showbread, and the golden altar of incense. In the holy place, if you come from the outer court and you enter the first veil, and you close the first veil behind you, what you will witness before you is no longer a natural light from the sunlight, but this whole place was lit up by the candlestick. Suddenly, you can see the whole surrounding in the holy place because of the south side where you have the golden candlestick. What does the golden candlestick represent? There are seven branches there. Represent the sevenfold spirit, the seven eyes, or the seven spirits of God in the book of Revelation. Therefore, the golden candlestick represents the manifold manifestation of the Holy Spirit or the symbol of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit present in the holy place. The life of God. That's why the place is not darkened. Tonight, you must have the golden candlestick in your soul. Or your soul is darkened. There are many people who move in the spirit. And with discerning of spirits, they can pick up your soul, whether it's dark or it's brightly lit up. It depends whether you have the life of God. It depends on the degree of the state of phronio is inclining, inclining towards things of God. Amen. So we now understand that the candlestick represents 
the life of God in the soul of a human being. Since this soul is imperfect, this soul needs healing to restore to a state of wholeness. This soul needs the abiding presence of the light or more precisely, more impartation of the life of God. And to have this healing, to have this light, to have this life imparted to the soul, this process is called the renewal of the mind. This renewal of the mind includes meditation. Meditation comes from the Latin word medicalus, M-E-D-I-C-A-L-U-S, and is translated into English the term medicine. When you meditate on God's Word, you are taking God's medicine. Proverbs 4.22 says, they are, they are life to those that find them. Life and health. Mape, M-A-R-P-E, means medicine to all their flesh. God's words is God's medicine to your soul. Every day, you not only need to take God's word to feed your spirit, man, you need to take God's medicine to heal your soul. You need to bring more life into your soul. That your soul no longer be in a darkened state. The sick soul needs God's medicine. To put it in a Bible way, the sick soul needs God's salvation. The one that James 1.21 says, Receive the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Your spirit was born again, was saved, but in this life, we need to save our soul, and at Jesus' coming, the full redemption of the body. That's why in 1 Peter 1.9, he says, Receiving the end of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. In physics, the third law of Isaac Newton is called the law of cause and effect. In every cause, it will have a corresponding effect. With every effect, there is also a corresponding root cause. The effects of wrong behavioral pattern, the effects of wrong desires, the effects of wrong attitudes, the root cause is a sick soul. Every actions of sin is first initiated by a wrong thought. If you possess a sound mind, there will be absence of sin. Because thought determines actions. Right thoughts create right actions thereby promotes righteousness. Wrong thoughts creates wrong actions, thereby promote sin. The cause is your thought life. And the effect are the sins that manifest in the natural life. Tonight, I'll pose to you two facts about your thought life. Firstly, you can choose to think upon what you want. There's freedom of thought. Secondly, you can change any thought anytime you want. That's the freedom of change. The power of choice lies within your hand. You have the free moral choice. The renewal of the mind is simply to change your thought patterns. Before we go on, 
on on the process of the renewal of the mind, there are five basic considerations that you have to bear in mind. Firstly, there must be a strong desire to change from where you are now to what you like to become in the future. Second, you must believe that you can change. Mark chapter 9 verse 23, Mark chapter 10 verse 27 says, All things are possible to him that believe. You can change. Thirdly, you must rethink what you think. You must change your habitual thought pattern. What you have been thinking all this while, you have to forsake it. It is wrong and ungodly. Fourthly, you must embark on the process of selective thinking. You replace old carnal thoughts with new spiritual thoughts. And fifthly, there must be the circumcision of your past. You cannot say things like, I'm always like that lah. I can't change the way I am. I can't help it. You can change. So let us look at the process of the renewal of mind and what it really happened. What God does God wants to do this special work within a human being? So let us first look at the Old Testament and then we look at the New Testament and then we combine both together and get a complete picture of what is the meaning of the renewal of the mind. So let's read in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. And in verse 31, a very familiar verse. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And here you have that Hebrew word for the renewal process. And this word in the Hebrew means quava, Q-A-V-A-H. Quava means bound or gathered together in unison as found in the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 9 where all the waters are gathered at one place in a pure sense quava means to be one with the Lord alright and right now if you are born again tonight your spirit is quava with the spirit of the living God. So that is the Old Testament. The Old Testament, the renewal process is to wait upon the Lord. I call it waiting prayer. That is in the Old Testament. Now let's look at the example in the New Testament that's found in the book of Romans chapter 12. Chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, that is the outer court, as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And now we come into the table of showbread in verse 2. The table of showbread represents the word of the living God and be not conformed to this world be not conformed to this world conformed to this world what, what is the meaning of this world in the Greek the word world has a reference to a floating mass of thoughts concepts and thought patterns that means don't be influenced don't be swayed by worldly thoughts. Don't be worldly thinking in your thought life. That is what it means there. 
The Greek, of course, the exact meaning means an effective power of influence. But ye be transformed, that is a very powerful word that will come back later, by the renewing of your mind, that you may able to prove what that it, what is that which is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The word there, renewing, the word renewal, it comes from the Greek word anakainos, A N A K A I N O O. And anakainos is a compound made up of two words. Ana, N-A, means again. And kainos means something that is brand new. In church history, we have a group called Anabaptists, which we emphasize on re-baptism. So if you put that words together, anakainos, together, it means this. God do not want you to patch up your mind God wants to remove it and give you a brand new mind the word kainos is the word new it's found in 2nd Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 behold all things pass away behold all things are new that's the word kainos God wants to give you a new mind therefore renewal of the mind means to replace with a new mind that is acceptable, approved by God. This new mind is part of the new nature. Alright? When you renew your mind by the Word of God, the Word of God will do an inner working or inner change within your mind. And we will talk about the inner change. What happens when you renew your mind? We want to explore dimension of change alright remember we are talking about exploring the dimension of change what goes on inside our soul when we renew our mind by the word alright with that turn with me in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 you see you put off Concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupted according to the civil last, <coughs> verse 23, and be renewed, anakinos, in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after Christ is created in righteousness and true holiness. In the Moffat translation, this is much more clearer. He says this, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, putting on the new nature, and he put the word comma, what is the new nature? He put a comma, that divine pattern which have, has been created in the upright and pious character of the truth. God wants to impart the character of the Word of God, the substance of God's Word, and impart a divine pattern into your mind, so that your mind now is conformed to the Word. That's what it means in the Moffat translation. Okay? Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So we're going to talk about this technical term. What is the meaning of the spirit of your mind. He didn't just say renewing your mind. He said renewing in the spirit of your mind. So to understand this phrase alone, I have to take a step further to expound it, elaborate on it, so that you can come to a conclusion to understand the meaning of the spirit of the mind. So with that, I have to explain to you now. Firstly, there are three vital connections that you must understand before you can understand this. Let's talk about the first connection. Our brain, the first connection is 
the brain is connected to the body. Our brain is intricately connected with the body. All our nerve system is connected to the spinal cord, and the spinal cord is connected to the brain. And all the bodily organs, in one way or another, is intrinsically connected invisibly within the body, tracing the root cause all the way back into the brain. So anything that affects the brain affects the spinal cord. Anything that affects the spinal cord affects the bodily organs. They are linked together. In a natural term, we could put it this way. We call it the body of the brain. So that's the first connection. The connection between the brain and the body. Now we come to the second connection. The spirit is connected to the mind. I didn't say the spirit is connected to the brain. I say the spirit is connected to the mind. The mind has a link with the spirit world. The mind is termed as a higher state of consciousness within the soul. There's a link between the spirit world and the mind. For example, the devil is a spirit, but he can put evil thoughts within you and say, since you are so sad, jump down from this building and end your life. That thought, there is a very high possibility is from the devil. So the devil can put thoughts into your mind. Like the devil put thoughts into the mind of Judas Iscariot to betray Jesus. He was a spirit, but he can influence a person's mind through a thought. Likewise, God is a spirit. He can speak to us through a divine thought implanted into our mind. So the mind is linked to the spirit world. So there's a connection between the spirit and the mind. Now we come to the third connection. Now there's a connection between the mind and the brain. This is a more tricky part that we have to explain further. There's a connection between the body and the brain. There's a connection between the spirit and the mind. Now there is a connection between the brain and the mind. I thought brain and mind is the same. No. Because in the Bible when you read the word believe in your heart. Whatsoever you believe in your heart, you know, and you hold fast, it shall come to pass. That believing in the heart, does it refer to your physical organ that is pump, pumping the blood? Or is it referred to a hidden spiritual dimension? Likewise, when God says the mind, does it refer to your brain, your physical organ? Or supposed to refer to a hidden spiritual dimension? So there's a difference between the mind and the brain. The mind is something invisible, yet it exists. How do you know? There was a parable of the rich man and the beggar Lazarus. In the place of torment, the rich man can still recall and think and feel. The man's spirit was still there, but he has a soul that never dies. So there's the, there is a soul there. The brain will, will die because the brain is part of the body. When you die, it, it, it decays and corrupt. But your soul, your mind, carry on living with you for the rest of your eternity. So there is a mind and there is also a brain. Alright? Now, to put it more, um, to make it more uh, real in your concrete term to understand the, the difference between there is an existence of a mind and a brain, let me give you three examples. There was a book entitled Hands and the Ham, published by the Logos. Then there was this article of this experiment conducted by a scientist. And they, they put all the intricate systems, you know, the wire connection to the, bra the brain of a person that is about to die. And this person was an unbeliever. So when he was about to die, he began to speak forth foul language and he began to curse God and so forth. And on the monitor, the needle register negative. Then on another experiment, also on a, a person that is about to die, but this time it's a lady. 
and then he put all the same uh, things on, on, upon the brain and this lady was a Christian and before she died she began to praise and worship God and then on the monitor the needle not only registered on the positive it hit the edge of the positive side that means if there's some more space the needle will still go on and it found there's a tremendous dif- difference though they are both human beings and when they saw the difference this man who created this experiment bowed down accept Jesus Christ and become a believer because of this experiment then there was another man a spiritual man who wrote who has a book called Adventure in God John G. Lake he has an interesting supernatural manifestation in his book in page 20 once he was invited into a very uh, big institution in America so he put all the gadgets onto, onto his brain to register the vibration of his brain so he tell that, that person I am not an ordinary human being I am a Christian yeah. <laughs> we just register so what he did is that he took out his Bible and then he read passages in the Bible where as he began to read the passages in the Bible the brain register the lowest vibration that can be recorded onto the meter it like a very low vibration he read things like Psalms 23 Psalms 31 Psalms 91 Isaiah 35 and the book of Acts chapter 26 so lowest vibration then they were given another notes to read on two circular poem, poems the charge of the light brigades and the raven so he, when he read finished suddenly the spirit of God came upon him and he, the last line that he, he recite that poem he suddenly speak in tongues and praise God suddenly the meter shake and the, there was tremendous vibration upon the monitor he said wow what a wide range of difference in vibration this man is strange then another professor don't believe it so they conduct a second experiment on him this time they put a, a different kind of machine a very powerful machine on his body to go deeper to experiment on the expansion of the cortex cells in his brain to be more precise in the analysis so John Gillick goes through the same thing he wrote through a passage and he realized that there was little a- expansion very mild then suddenly he told God, get ready, give me a search of the power as I begin to read John chapter 1. And as he began to read John chapter 1, the Holy Ghost come upon him and suddenly the, there was an expansion in his cortex cells. The Holy Ghost just come upon him, anoint him. And there was a tremendous shaking on the meter and the meter was shaking violently and so forth. And the, the professor was astounded, amazed and said, what is that? And he says, that's the power of the Holy Ghost. And that confronted the heathens. They said, wow, there is something supernatural about this man. And he says, it's Jesus Christ. It cannot be the brain. There's something more than that. What is this register on that electronic gadget to register something? I'm going to use a scientific explanation to prove the existence of the mind by using physics. Physics. Okay? Jesus used the parables of sheep and goats. We will use the modern parables of electricity and magnetism. Okay? Now, thoughts affect brain signals. Alright? And what you do is that they use the uh, modern day electronic gadget. There's a long word that's called electroencephalogram, EEG, to trace the electric impulse in the brain. The impulse about 100 micro volt, one, uh, 1 to 10,000 of 1 volt. So they trace it. But then they, later on, they invented another electronic gadget called superconductor. Alright? It's a supermagnet using superconductor with a new metal to trace tiny magnetic signals. They are very intangible. Well, I said, wow, all these you know, things about physics comes in. Because I think physics is one of the best ways. Because since uh, science is one way to prove the existence of things on this earth. We use science to prove the existence of something invisible. Amen? Now, in physics, there's a law that says this. 
As electricity flows through a wire, it produces a circular field of magnetism. So all electricity produces magnetism. E equal m. All right. But the law of physics also say that all magnetism produces electricity. Ask any、uh, person who studies physics; they'll tell you they're not their head. Amen. So it's a reversible law. E equal m and m equal e. Now with this law, then let me go one step further. If the brain can produce electric signal, all right? How? Because they say that in the brain they have sodium and potassium ions that create electric impulse, like the knee jerk and so on. If the brain can produce electric impulse. E equal m, right? So you have E, right? Then there must be m. They must have magnetic signal in the brain. But the question tonight is this: If the brain can produce electric impulse, what is the thing that causes the brain to produce the electric impulse? Because now you have the result is electric impulse, right? So there must be something m equal E. Magnetism produces electric impulse. So, what was the thing that created that electric impulse? It's the mind. It's just like electricity is equal to the brain, magnetism is equal to the mind. There's something inside us that produces that electric impulse upon the brain, and that mind has a capability to produce magnetism, and the magnetism. Influence and as the mind conceives something, it produces brain signals, electric brain signals. Therefore, from that kind of logical conclusion, we find that inside the brain, there's more than the brain. There's something that that influences the brain, and that in the Bible is termed as the mind. So the mind is connected to the brain. So these are the three connections. Now, with that, we'll come to this understanding of this phrase: the spirit of the mind. Remember the first phrase I told you, the Greek word phronio, the state of phronio, the state of mental inclination towards the things of God. All right, as your mind has a higher degree of phronio, higher degree of mental inclination towards God, that portion of mind will become what we call, as we open to the Spirit of God. The spirit, because the spirit is linked to the mind, right? The spirit influences that portion of the inclination, and when that portion is influenced by the spirit of God, it produces what I call spiritual nerves. You say, why can't? Why must I use the word nerves? Because there's a translator, the Phillips translation, when he wrote Romans eight three, he said, cut off the nerve of the instinctive action. So he used the word nerve. So I would rather say that that portion that is influenced by the spirit has spiritual nerves. That portion that is influenced or connected to the spirit of God is called the spirit of the mind. That portion alone is called the spiritual mind, the renewed mind, or the mind of Christ. So the more degree of inclination. The more the spirit of God influences our mind, and the more that area will be called the spirit of the mind. And when you reach that high, elevated dimension, your whole mind will be transformed. That is the purpose of God. We incline towards the things of God, but because it is only moments in time, it is not the the quantity of time is still not effective for the influence to do a special work within us. Unless we spend a deep amount of time of fellowship with God, then that portion of the mind, as you spend day in and day out with God, God work on the area until suddenly that whole area will be changed. Then you have one spot in your mind called the spirit of the mind, and that spirit of the mind there is illuminated. That spot there has the candlestick. That spot there. Has the revelation of the Spirit of God. Some of you only have maybe one tiny pin, middle pin dot. Some of you may have a small little coin portion. Some of you have a bigger portion. It depends on the state of the frontio. All right. 
remember Romans 12 verse 2 does not say, but be ye transformed by the renewal of the mind. The word transform there is a very interesting word. It is the same English word that's translated elsewhere in Mark 9 and Matthew 17, the word transfigured. And this word transform comes from a Greek word, means metamorphio, or this word they use in biology, metamorphosis, where you have the change of a certain substance, like for example, the, the cycle of metamorphosis of the butterfly. You start from the egg, then go into the larva, I assume right, then go into the pupa, and then come out the butterfly, correct? So, uh, this is the stage, correct? Am I right to say that? What is that? Oh, that's right, okay. Cocoon, instead of that, the pupa, okay, cocoon, okay. I was thinking of the frog, the tadpole, and the egg, okay, by using the butterfly, okay. Okay. You notice something? Once from the egg it becomes a butterfly, you notice that the butterfly cannot go back to the egg. Once it's changed, it cannot go back to its former original form. What I'm trying to say is this. Once it is transformed, once it's metamorphosis, you cannot reverse back into the original form. That means it's irreversible. Just like in chemistry, you, there's a chemical change that can be irreversible. That is permanent. For example, you burn copper, it becomes copper oxide. From dull brownish to greenish color, correct? It becomes that substance, it cannot change back to the original form. So it's irreversible. Transformation is a permanent change. As you spend time with God, phronesis, you mentally inclined towards God every day of your life, the portion of God's light begins to shine upon that portion day in and day out. And when that portion becomes transformed, it is permanent. That portion of your mind is permanent, will forever be labeled the spirit of the mind. That's what God wants to do in your life. Amen? God wants to put a divine mark on your soul. Now there are three elements of change. In the holy place, you have the candlestick, the table of showbread, and the golden altar of incense. And we're going to link this tree together in the process of transformation. With that, we have to turn to one passage first. We turn now to the book of Matthew chapter 17 to refer to the golden altar of incense. Matthew chapter 17 verse 1 and 2. And after six days, Jesus take Peter, James and John, his brother, and bring them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. The word that transfigure is the same word used in Romans chapter 12 verse 2, transform. Or you can put, Jesus was transformed before them. And in Romans chapter 12, you can say, But be ye transfigured by the renewing of your mind. Same. Alright? Now let me link this three furniture to our context of discussion tonight. Firstly, As Jesus was praying in the mountain, God's glory came upon the mountain. And there was two heavenly visitors, Elijah and Moses. The glory of God was there. The life of God was there on the mountain. And that life brings a transformation in the life of Jesus' body. That life is called the candlestick. Then in Romans chapter 12 verse 2, you have the table of showbread. So firstly, in Matthew chapter 17, you have the glory that brings about the transformation. So you have the glory that brings about the transformation. Then in Romans chapter 12, you have the word that brings about the transformation. And we also know that in Matthew chapter 17, it was Jesus who in the high mountain was praying that brings about the transformation. So prayer also bring about the transformation. 
So there we have the three elements of transformation. The golden candlestick, the table of showbread, and the golden altar of incense. That three element within the holy place is about to bring about the total renewal of the mind. So how we link this tree together? Let me tell you how we link it. This is the New Testament way. This is the Old Testament way where we mention Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. Quava. Here is Anakinos. Here is Quava. So when you link both of them together, you have a powerful combination of keys that brings total transformation of your soul. That is this. As you spend time in the Word of God, your mind will be changed according to the proportion of the candlesticks shining upon you. If you read the letters, it will kill you. But when you read the Bible under the life of God, the candlestick, that portion of your mind will change. Then, the golden altar of incense, which is prayer. When you are praying, waiting upon the Lord, and as your mind is inclined towards God, you will only change according to the proportion of the light received from the candlestick. Prayer will not change your life. Prayer will change your life in the presence of God. Word will only change your life in the presence of God. Prayer and word will only change in the light of the life of God. Therefore, you will understand why the tree furniture is there in the holy place. God longs for a total transformation. Word and prayer cannot exclude the life or the light of the candlestick. You will carry on your daily Christian walk without the presence of God. You will not be transformed. You can come here for a hundred worship meeting without meeting the presence of God. You will not be transformed. But if you come here for one meeting and your heart is totally on the presence of God, that one meeting is worth a thousand days of your life, earthly existence. But pastor, how do we able to reach that stage of transformation? How do we embark on the process of renewal? The key is found in Romans chapter 8 verse 5. It is phronio. The degree and the depth of your mental inclination towards God. Let me read that to you again in Charles Williams' translation. For people who live by the standard set by their lower nature are usually thinking the things suggested by that nature. And people who live by the standard set by the Spirit are usually thinking the things suggested by the Spirit. Every day of your life, you put God's kingdom first. I guarantee you, the renewal process will take place within you. If your life is set on loving Jesus, your life is set on honoring Jesus, your life is set on fearing the Lord your God, when your promises is right, the change will occur and slowly emerge within your soul is the spirit of your mind. And then you find that you become intelligent. Then you begin to find that the wisdom of God begins to flow. Then you begin to find that you are able to think the thoughts of God. Then you are able to find that you are able to understand the will of God. Because you are intricately connected to the Spirit of God. So you definitely can know the will of God in your life. Pastor, since now we know the importance of the renewal of the mind, 
What is God's plan and purpose for our life concerning the soul of man? I would like to mention three facts, then we'll close. Firstly, when Jesus Christ was hanged on the cross, on him was not a golden crown, on him was a crown of thorns. He took the pain. And because the thorn contained poison, he took the poison of the sin, sinful effects of the mind upon himself that you may have the mind of Christ. He took the crown of thorn that you may have the redemption, the salvation of your soul. That's the first purpose. God longs to see a complete redemption of your soul. He paid that heavy price on the cross that you may freely receive his salvation. Secondly, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, 26, it says this. It says that Jesus Christ himself longs for the church to be glorious. How? By the washing of the water of the word of God. The table of showbread and Jesus Christ is going to wash the church himself. So Jesus Christ is the life of God. There's a candlestick washing the church, the life of God through the word of God, wash the church. The purpose is that the church will become clean, without spot, without wrinkle. God wants you to have a blameless life, blameless soul life before God for one purpose, that ultimately you'll be without spot and wrinkle. For what? that you may be the bride of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming back for a bride without spot and wrinkle, not on your body, but on your soul. The word is to renew your soul. God wants to remove the spot and wrinkle from your soul. God is looking for a clean soul that He may take as His bride. And there is a third fact which I feel is much more important in the heart of God too. We just read in Exodus chapter 28 verse 36 Exodus chapter 29 verse 6 Upon that white turban upon the headwear in verse 36 of chapter 28 there was a, gold, a plate of made of pure gold and written upon that plate of pure gold is holiness unto the Lord and the two ends was tied by a blue string upon that white turban. And they are supposed to wear it wherever they minister in the tabernacle of Moses. So when they went in the presence of God, they remind themselves their head is wearing a signet reminding them the message of holiness unto the Lord. Aaron and all the sons and all those who minister in that place must remind themselves that the head is holiness unto the Lord. The place of the soul is called a holy place. What is a place? The place of the soul. What is the condition of the soul? Holy place. Holy soul. God longs for our soul to be holy. The purpose why we renew our mind is that we can become Holy, without spot and wrinkle before the presence of God. God is holy and God wants His people to be holy in their thought life. A holy mind produces a holy life. Holiness is not by external actions of do and don'ts. Holiness is produced by a holy God life. God longs for His bride to be holy before Him, not in their deeds and action, but in their mind. God longs for you to have a holy mind. That you remember that place is called the holy place. May we long to come to a place where we can say, Lord. Our mind is consecrated. Our mind belongs to you. 
our mind is blameless Lord our mind is holy to you that is the purpose of God why you spend time in the word why you spend time in prayer is that you are holy in your thought life in the presence of God God longs for you to have a holy mind may that be your purpose in life may you remember that on your forehead is written holiness to the Lord let's close with prayer Father we thank you Lord for the revelation of the holy place that you are trying to release that message of holiness to the body of Christ that you are bringing by the life of your spirit to bring the people back to a state of holiness Father tonight we know the ultimate purpose of the word of God the ultimate purpose of prayer is not just for the anointing is to achieve a state of holiness in our walk before you and fathers this evening Lord we want to forsake the thinking pattern that is inclined towards the world towards the things of the flesh father we want to renew our mind that our mental inclination will be towards God all the time that one day God's life will transform our soul, that our soul will become holy, that our soul will no longer be darkened before your face. Lord, we have discovered your purpose tonight. Father, we long to enter into the state of holiness, not by our works, but through your given instrument of grace, the Word of God, prayer, and by your grace of your life, it will change our soul. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Can I relax off? Tonight we know that prayer will be ineffective. Prayer will be fruitless without the candlestick the life of God in our mind in our soul we will have only a carnal mind and a carnal mind only produce death we try to be holy before God but we lack the presence of God we lack the life of the candlestick Tonight, when you pray, or when you go home and spend time with God in the Word of God, seek His face first. Ask Him for His blessings before you embark on the Word of God. Many of you tonight, your mind, your mind focus and inclination is towards the things of the flesh. Therefore, you do not possess the spirit of the mind. Therefore, you don't have a renewed mind. Sometimes you spend time in the Word. Sometimes you spend time in prayer. But at other times, you incline your mind towards the world again. Incline your mind towards the flesh again. And therefore, you do not have the spirit of the mind. Tonight, return your mind back on God. Focus your mind back on God and begin to enter into a state of divine phonio. Focus on the things of God and let God do a work on your mind. Let your mind become the spirit of the mind. Let your mind become the mind of the spirit. Tonight, tell God to sanctify, cleanse, and purify your mind and say, Lord, I long to have a holy thought life. Holy thought life produce a holy life. Father, I've been very negligent. I've been very careless in my thought life. I think foolish thoughts, foolish things. The grievous spirit that cut off the connection between the spirit and you, Lord. Father, 
I want to renew my thought life. I want to change my thinking. I rethink what I think. I go on to selective thinking. I will only think the things of God. God, forgive us by your blood. Many a times we think on unclean things. Many a times we think on ungodly things. Many a times we think on the things of the flesh that cause death to our soul and slowly into our body. Father, forgive us. Even Lord, right now we repent of every thought that is contradictory to the Spirit of the Living God. Father, repent of every thought that is not clean before You, Lord. Father, we ask for Your blood to cleanse our thought life, that we may be holy before You once again. <laughs>